excited to be here today. Awesome. At least 20 of you. All right. Hey, before I jump into the Bible, um, I, I have something, uh, something precious I want to I wanna introduce you to, and then I have something important I want to ask you to join me in. And uh, I got a text message last night. Well, first of all, I should tell you I missed you last Sunday, and uh, we're, we're so thankful for the opportunities that we have. Um, in the last couple of years, the Lord has really opened a lot of doors uh, for myself and my wife to really travel across our nation, preaching the gospel, building leaders, helping people plant churches, um, helping movements plant churches. And um, we had an opportunity to uh, preach at a conference this last week uh, in Honolulu, Hawaii. And so some opportunities are easier to say yes to than others. Can we just acknowledge that? All right. Um, But we also celebrated 15 years of marriage while we were there. And so very exciting. Y'all need to pray for Amanda. 15 years with me. That woman needs prayer. All right. Um, but, uh, but we got home and um, a precious family in our church had been expecting a baby. And the newest member of Christian Faith Center uh, was born uh, two days ago. And I want to introduce you to little, get this, Alabama Summer. I mean, it makes me want to rename my kids. Like, I let them down. I mean, Alabama and uh, her middle name Summer, Alabama Summer. And, uh, but Alabama was born with some complications and took them a, a couple of days to figure out what was going on, but they found out that Alabama uh, has uh, spinal meningitis. And I wanna introduce you to her. Isn't she precious? And uh, I love it when they're so small, even like, you know, the little newborn diapers, you know, are too big. Um, but this is Alabama. And so I I text back mom and dad, the Densley family, and I just said, hey, we are going to stand in prayer for you. And I believe we're going to see God do a miracle in Alabama's life. And I want to encourage you, you know, we sing about this, but the reality is our God is a healing God. He can supernaturally touch your life. He can supernaturally do a miracle in Alabama's body. Here's what the scripture said, that our God, our God not only forgives sin, but he heals sickness and disease. Matter of fact, I'd go a step further and I would say this, that sin is to the body what sickness is, or the, excuse me, sickness is to the body what sin is to the soul. And how many know Jesus paid the price for both on the cross? And, and it's not need that attracts the power of God. If that was the case, man, we'd have a perfect world because we have a, a world in need. It's faith that attracts the power of God. It's faith. And so here's the good news. When the church will gather together in faith and pray and believe God, we will see supernatural results happen in our lives and in the world around us. Amen? And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray for Alabama together. I want us to join our faith together. And we're going to pray for a supernatural miracle in Alabama's body that the Lord would touch her, strengthen her, restore her, and that she would grow up to be absolutely everything that Jesus has called her to be. Can I get an amen? And here's what I want to do as well. If you're here in this room and you're sick in your body, um, we want to join together in faith as a church, and we want to pray for you as well and believe that God would do a miracle. We prayed for a gal in the first service who's been having neck and joint pain, and she said her neck popped and all the pain went away. And how many know our God is a miracle-working God? And so if you're here, I just want you to stand to your feet. We're going to pray for Alabama together. We're going to join our faith together. And if you need a touch in your body today, you need a miracle, I just want to pray for you. And I want to invite our whole church, your family, your church family, is going to pray for you today. And we're going to believe God for healing power 
to touch our lives together. Father, we love you right now, and we thank you, Lord, for your word is very clear that you are the God that forgives all of our sin, and you heal all of our disease. And Lord, we are not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed to reach out and grab a hold of everything that you paid for on the cross. Healing is the children's bread. It is the promise of God to his people. And so, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we as the family of God, we lift up Alabama to the throne of grace. And we pray the touch of God upon her life in a supernatural way. We pray, Lord, that you would drive meningitis from her body, that you would strengthen her. We pray for a miracle today. We agree together as a church family that not only can you do this, God, you desire to do this. And so we ask, Lord, that you would supernaturally do a miracle in her body. And for every single person here today, Lord, that is struggling with a sickness in their body. Lord, I pray the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would be present to heal in a supernatural way. I pray cancer would flee. I pray sickness would flee. I pray disease would, would flee and that people would experience the power of the Lord, the reality of your healing touch. Lord, like so many did throughout the Bible, they would experience that in their own lives right now in Jesus' name. And God, we give you all the praise and all the glory for it in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and thank Jesus that he is a good God. Amen. You can be seated. Grab your Bible. Turn with me to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. I heard Pastor Monty did a great job last week, if you were here, in our series, Trust Issues. And so if you're new today, we've been in a series called Trust Issues, and we are learning faith through the life of the Apostle Peter in the Scripture. And, uh, and it's so, so funny, he sent me his message and he said, hey, here's what I feel like God's giving me. And I said, Pastor Monty, you can't preach that scripture. And he said, why? I said, because I'm doing that in two weeks. You stole my sermon, you know. And uh, I felt it was confirmation from God of what he had spoke to me. Pastor Monty felt like it was a waste of time. Come on, somebody. Uh, but he was a good sport about it and God gave him a great word. I heard, encourage the church. Um, but we've got several more weeks left in this series, and I've got a message that I believe is going to encourage your life in a big-time way. So grab your Bibles, Acts chapter 12, that's in the New Testament. Shout yes when you find it. All right. I want to thank you, all of you who are joining us, online family right now. We're going to throw this on the screens for you, but we're going to read this together, and then we're going to pray. Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1, the Bible says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. And he had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration, and then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed. Come on, I just want to revisit that. While Peter was in prison, the church prayed. Such a powerful passage. The church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened between two chains, chains between two soldiers. And others stood guard at the prison gate. And suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. And the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. But now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. And so Peter left the cell following the angel. 
But all this time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. And they passed the first and second guard posts and came to an iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. And so they passed through and started walking down the street. And the angel suddenly left him. And Peter finally came to his senses. And he said, it's really true. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Today I want to talk to you about how to trust God in the dark times of life. If I had to give today's message a title, I would call it Trust in the Trenches. Trust in the Trenches. Would you pray with me? And let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts through his word today. Father God, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you that it's mighty, that it's mighty to speak to us, to build us, that it can accomplish everything you want it to in our lives. And so, Lord, we just prepare our hearts right now and we say yes to the word of the Lord for our life today. We say, come and have your way. Do what you want to do. And I thank you for every person in this room, every family, every marriage. I thank you for the season we're in as a church, growing and expanding and seeing great impact happen. And I pray that today you would change lives through the word of God. And I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, there will be times in life where everything seems to be locked down for you. I know it's not the greatest way to open a sermon. Some of you are like, wow, fantastic. Thank you for that. I feel so built up and encouraged already, you know. Um, but sometimes I, I get frustrated when, uh, when people, you know, the gospel doesn't need a sales pitch for us to put a happy spin on it. That I've literally heard way too many, if you just trust Jesus, nothing will ever go wrong in your life. And I'm going, what Bible are you reading? You know, like Jesus, the Son of God, this is what he said. In this life, you will have trouble and trials. But take heart, for our Jesus has overcome the world. The only difference is, it's, it's not that our life has less problems, it's that we don't do them alone. Come on, we got God in our life. We've got the Lord on our side. We've got the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. It's not that we won't have trouble. It's that we navigate trouble differently than others do. The follower of Jesus doesn't navigate life like everybody else. We navigate life differently. Our God died but got back up from the dead. That means we have an overcoming, supernatural, victorious spirit that lives inside of us. So the Bible teaches us, I feel like Billy Graham, the Bible says, you know, but listen, the Bible teaches us this. The Bible teaches us that we can actually be encouraged when we go through hard times. Do you know why? Because God's going to bring you out the other side of it. And he's going to do good in your life all the way through it. You're not going under, baby. You're going over in Jesus' name. And so we go through situations differently than other people do. Listen, there will be times in your life, if you're not in one right now, that things just don't seem to work. Have you ever experienced a season where it feels like, well, I take two steps forward and then three steps back? We, we make a little bit of progress and then back to where we came from. Little bit of breakthrough, back to where we came from. Little bit of sobriety, back to where I came from. There's so many times in life that it feels like it's just so hard to actually get out of the things that we're going through. And can I just tell you that there is a pressure on your life in this world to stay small and stay restricted. Matter of fact, I want you to know something. This is how hell works. 
This is how your enemy works. He works in the realm of restriction. See, the enemy doesn't care if you exist. He just doesn't want you to do anything great for God. He doesn't doesn't care if you say you worship Jesus. He doesn't want you to actually live the life that Jesus has for you. Amen? Hell works in the realm of restriction. Matter of fact, if you're going to take ground in the kingdom of God, it's going to be a fight. If you're going to build a business and be a business owner, a business leader that takes your success and impacts positively the lives of other people and sows financially into the kingdom of God, then the enemy's going to try to restrict you. If you're going to live a life for Jesus that makes an impact, then the enemy's going to try to restrict you. If you're going to have a marriage that models an example of health and vibrant spirituality, then the enemy's going to try to restrict you. But I want you to be encouraged that the devil doesn't have enough power in all of hell combined to hold back one Christian that's following the will of God for their life. There can be seasons of restriction, but take courage. You're going to break out of that and see everything that God has for your life come to pass in Jesus' name. Matter of fact, Jesus talked about this reality for us very clearly. Jesus warned us about this. Matthew 16, verse 18, let me read to you from the New King James Version. Jesus said it this way. He said, and I also say to you, again, he's talking to Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys, everybody say keys, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying hell works in the realm of restriction. He said this is all the devil has. He has gates. He wants to put a gate around your life, a gate around your mind, a gate around your business, a gate around your ministry. The devil doesn't care if I pastor a church. He just doesn't want us to lead a church that's going to grow and impact cities and usher souls into the kingdom of God. It's restriction. The enemy wants to restrict your life. Jesus said the devil has gates. He wants to keep you out of church. He wants to keep you out of your relationship with God. He wants to keep you out of relationship with the Holy Spirit. He wants to keep you out of your Bible so you'll be ignorant of the promises of God. He wants to restrict you. But friends, I came with good news for you today. Yes, the devil restricts, and yes, hell has gates. But according to Jesus Christ, heaven has keys. So hell might have gates, but baby, heaven has keys. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then the Bible says that he's given you the keys to the kingdom of God. That means he's given you the power to unlock anything that's holding you back. He's given you all that you need to unlock every restriction on your life and to break out of the things that have been holding you back. And I just want to speak over your life today. And I just want to say whatever's been holding you back, you're about to unlock it and go to the next level. Whatever's been holding you back from the blessing of God, whatever's been holding you back from the fullness of what God has for you, it's your season to break out of that in Jesus' name and walk into everything God has for your life. If you believe it, you better shout amen. Amen. This is your time. You can trust God in the trenches of life. Whether you are on the mountaintop or whether you're in the valley, you can trust God. And so I want to give you today three very practical keys that I believe will help you move forward in the plan of God on your life, even if you are experiencing a situation 
um, where you are feeling restricted. I want to give you a few things. I'd love it if you write these down. Science has proven you're like 90% more likely to go to heaven if you just take notes in church. That's a lie, but you'll remember it on Monday. All right. I want to encourage you, write these down. Get them in your hearts today so we can live them out during the week. The first one, the first key I want to give you is the key of prayer. The key of prayer. This is so important and yet such a common thing that many take for granted the power that is the weapon of prayer. Prayer is such a powerful thing. It is, the, in my opinion, outside of Jesus himself and the Spirit of God that's been given to me, prayer is the greatest thing God's given us. Do you know you can study your Bible from Genesis to the maps? You will find that in the heavenly realm, nobody gets to come before God anytime they want. There are certain angels. There's an order to them. There's a status to them. There's all, like the throne room, there is order. When you're a king, not just anyone can pop in anytime they want to unless you're God's son or daughter. And this is what the New Testament promises us in the Bible, that as the, a son or daughter of Almighty God, you can come before God anytime you want and find help in your time of need. Do you know how you do that? Prayer. Prayer brings your need, your life, your circumstance before the throne of grace. It is how and where you find help in your time of need. Prayer is vital. God does everything everything through prayer and nothing without it. There's nothing more important in the hard times of life than our prayer life. In the hard times of life, our prayer life is vital. Now listen, prayer should be something that we bake into our life all the time. We don't want to wait till we get into trouble and then begin to pray. Come on. We want to have a life, a rhythm of prayer. Um, the apostle Peter wrote in the New Testament, he said this, he said that we should be both passionate and disciplined in our prayer. The, the New Living Translation uses the word fervent. Fervent and disciplined in our prayer life. What does this mean? It means that, yes, we should pray out of our emotion. We should pray fervently. We should pray passionately. We should pray with boldness and courage and fire and vigor and all of that. But it also means if you don't have courage and passion and fire and vigor, then you should just pray disciplined prayers because they all produce supernatural things. There are times when I don't feel like it. Doesn't mean I shouldn't pray. We are disciplined and passionate. Here's how I discipline myself to pray. I write down all the stuff I need to pray for. And I'll just, Lord, I lift my marriage to you today. Lord, I lift my kids to you. I'm just reading it. What is that? It's called being disciplined in my prayer life. Because there's going to be times when you don't feel like praying. When you don't feel like, and, and let me just say this, in the good times, you'll be more likely to feel like praying than when you're in the bad times of life. The worse things get, the less in the natural you want to pray, but the more you need to pray about your situation. It is vital that we don't stop praying when we get into hard times. It's the time to push. It's the time to believe God. It's the time to make our requests and our needs known to God. When you pray, God sends answers. He sends answers. No matter, no matter what is taken, here's something that you need to catch. No matter what is taken from you in life, they can't take your prayer life. I was uh, listening to an interview with a pastor who works with churches in China, and he was talking about how the average pastor in China has spent about five years in prison, because preaching the gospel really is illegal there. 
They have a government-sanctioned church, and that's it. So the true gospel is liberating, and that's not what they're looking for in communist China. And, uh, and so pastors go to prison. Almost all pastors have been imprisoned. And most of the pastors in China, which, by the way, is one of the fastest-growing churches in all the world, in all the world, God is doing a supernatural thing in China. And so they'll imprison pastors, and they smuggle pages of the Bible in. And these, these leaders, they will memorize entire chapters of the Bible. They'll memorize entire chapters. And when they interview these pastors, they'll say, hey, why is it that you memorize the Scripture? And here's their response. They said, well, pastor, there's only two things they can't take from us. They can't take the prayers that we pray, and they can't take the Word of God that's been hidden in our heart. See, when God gives you a key, nobody can take it away. Nobody can take it away. The key of prayer is I can pray silent, I can pray loud. I can pray in good times, I can pray in bad times. And God hears my prayer all the same. And when I pray, here is the promise that answers from heaven will break into my life. Prayer is powerful. On the other side of the prayers you haven't prayed are the answers and miracles you're looking for. God responds to prayer. He's promised to do that. Listen, we can give up our keys, but nobody can take them away from us. Isn't it amazing that all of the victory and keys that God's given to us cannot be taken from us by any natural or supernatural means? I love this because this passage is so powerful. In verse 5, it says, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed. And I think this is such a, such a powerful thing to know that the early church, even though, and Peter was their senior apostle. He was their bishop. He was the senior apostle of the New Testament church in Jerusalem. Peter's in prison. People are getting killed. They're leaders, and they're not, they're not having a freak-out meeting. They're not having a business meeting. They're not having a stress meeting. Come on, they're having a prayer meeting. They began to pray. The early church began to pray, to fervently pray that God would give them strength and courage and boldness to walk out the will of God and that God would deliver their leaders from the persecution that was on their life. Can I just say this? A, a church that prays is a powerful church. And a church that does not pray is a powerless church. To the believer and to the kingdom, prayer is as important as oxygen is to the lungs of the believer. When we pray, we get strong. When we pray, we fill our lives with kingdom power. It is important to pray. As a matter of fact, we will be adding in this season as a church, we will be adding a weekly time of prayer to our schedule at every single CFC location. We'll be putting out info on that in the days to come. But here's what I really sense. I, are we a praying church? Absolutely, we're a praying church. But here's what I'm feeling. I feel like in order to, to reach the place God is calling us into, Christian Faith Center, that the level of prayer must rise commensurate to the level of what we are believing God for. If we're going to continue to see new cities open to us, if we're going to continue to see thousands of people make decisions for Jesus Christ every single year, if we're going to continue to be a place where lives are restored and people encounter God, then we must increase the level of our prayer life as a movement. We must lift the level of prayer. See, prayer is the kingdom key to seeing Nampa, Boise, Caldwell, Orville, and every new city the Lord is giving us open up. 
It's the key to impact. It's the key to souls. It's the key to power. It's the key to God's will being done and the devil's will being diminished in the earth. But do you know that prayer is also the key to your peace personally? It's the key to your peace personally. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. You know, I looked that word anything up in the Greek, and you know what it means? Anything. It means you don't have to worry about anything. But you have to finish the sentence. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. If you pray about it, you won't worry about it. You can't pray and worry at the same time. Try it. It's impossible. If you pray about it, worry has to go. If you don't pray about it, then worry can find a place in your circumstance and situation. Here's the promise. Don't worry about anything. Pray about it. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, it's funny to me that Peter's sleeping, even though he's being guarded by two guards about to stand trial, and they had just killed one of the other apostles before him. And here's Peter sleeping the night before he's about to go on trial. Can I just say, peace can guard your heart no matter what seems to be guarding you. Let me say it this way. It's possible to be in prison and in peace at the same time. It's possible to be in bankruptcy and peace at the same time. It's possible to be in divorce and peace at the same time. It's possible to be in addiction and peace at the same time. It's possible to be in a battle and at peace at the same time. Why? Because if you pray about it, then the peace of God will invade your heart and guard your heart and guard your mind as you follow Jesus in this life. I love how the writer, the Apostle Paul, even writes and he goes, it'll be beyond your understanding. In other words, you won't get why you have the peace you have. It's a supernatural peace. You should be freaking out, but you're trusting God. If we don't pray, we'll always have trust issues. But if we pray, the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. You might think that a situation has you stuck, and it might. There may be a restriction on an area of your life. You might be stuck, but friends, you don't have to stay defeated. You will find that the person that prays is greatly helped by God. Greatly helped. Here's what I found, actually. I found that the enemy is always attacking. He's always trying to restrict. He never stops. Matter of fact, there are so many times I thank God. I'm like, thank you, God, for stuff I don't even know about you're protecting me from. There's enough stuff I'm dealing with in my life. But I know the enemy never stops. And so thank you, Lord, that 99% of all he's trying doesn't even get to me. Praise God. Because he never stops. But here's what I found. When our prayer life goes up, the attacks of the enemy that actually land in our life go down. The Bible says this is what the enemy's doing. He's shooting almost like fiery darts. Think 300. He's just shooting all these darts. When we pray and prayer goes up, the attack of the enemy that lands in our life goes down. But catch this. When our prayer goes down, the attacks of the enemy that land in our life go up. Prayer is a shield to the believer. 
It is a strong place for the believer. Prayer invites the very realities of heaven and the promises of God to take root in our life. The key of prayer will move you forward no matter what's trying to hold you back. Amen? Number two, I want you to write this down, the key of presence. The key of presence. See, no matter where you find yourself, friends, I want you to remember something. You're not there alone. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter where you are today, you are not there alone. It would have been so easy for Peter to catch an attitude and be discouraged and be disappointed. I mean, Jesus, all I ever did was follow you. Yeah, sure, I cut an ear off and said a couple dumb things, but I mean, mostly I've been really great, Jesus. Now here I am doing all these miracles and leading your church and all this stuff's happening. Jesus, did you forget? It's Pete. It's the, it's, it's the rock, remember? I was, I was with you for all, now I'm in prison. Tomorrow they're going to have a trial. And they're probably going to kill me the way they, they killed some of the other apostles. It would have been so easy for Peter to just have an attitude about it and get stuck in a funk and what up, well, Jesus, what up, this isn't fair. Maybe you're not good. Maybe you don't care. Maybe I was wrong about you. It would have been so easy. And yet Peter had a calm confidence knowing that God was with him in the good times and the bad times. There was a peace. Why? Because when no one else sees you, friends, God sees you. No matter how overlooked you seem to be by men, you are not overlooked by God. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. He sees the dark place that you were in. He sees the struggle that you're fighting. He sees the things no one else knows about. God sees you. And more than that, when no one else can help you, God can help you. This was a situation where it had to be God or Peter wasn't going to make it. And yet God was able to help Peter in a way nobody else could. When no one else can help you, God can help you. Listen, no matter what people take from you, they can never take from you God's presence. The presence of God can never be taken away. Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8 is one of my favorites. The psalmist writes, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, <laughs> you're there. And if I go down to the grave or Hades... You're there too. What's he saying? In the mountaintop, you're with me. In the valley, oh, you're with me there too. I'm never separate from you, oh God. Can I just say, we are presence people. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've been washed by the sacrifice of Christ and been redeemed and set free, then the Bible says you have the spirit of the living God inside of you that you are living stones that together make up the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of Christ dwells inside of you. You know what that means? The presence of God is in you constantly. You are presence people. You are people that have the presence of God with you. Never forget that, that God is not with you, or excuse me, that God is always with you. Never lose sight of that. You've never had a day where Christ wasn't with you. The Spirit of God is with you always. He will never leave you, never forsake you. You've never been separated from the God that loves you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is found in Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul wrote. I want to give you some keys, though, because it's, it's, not, that, 
it's not, it's not that we have to wrestle. Again, if you've surrendered to Jesus, you have the presence of God with you. It's that we have to learn to be aware of the presence of God in our lives. Because you can have all the treasures of heaven, but if you don't know about them or recognize them, you'll never walk in them. So we have to be people that, that work daily to recognize the presence of God in our lives. And I want to give you just a few keys that will help you walk in an awareness of the presence of God. Are you ready? These are worth writing down. The first one is this. Keep a humble heart. Keep a humble heart. You cannot be proud and aware of God's presence at the same time. Now, here's what I mean by this. All I'm saying is this. Daily, we need to posture our hearts in a place of humility toward the God of heaven. What does that look like? It looks like every day as we rise, we say, God, I need you in my life. I'm humbling myself. I need you. I can't do today without you. I need your presence. I need your spirit. I need your wisdom. I need your help in my everyday life. I can't love people the way I need to without you. I can't be as wise as I need to be without you. I can't be as strong as I need to be without you. I can't do this alone, Jesus. I need your presence in my life. It's a posture of humility. It's not waking up going, God, I'll let you know if I need you today. I got this. No, no, it's humility. God, I need you. I'm not who I need to be without you. The second key is this. It's practice acknowledging God's presence. Practice acknowledging God's presence. See, he's never left you, and he is right beside you. We see glimpses even of Old Testament prophets. The, the, I think it was King David. He said that you are, right, you are at my right hand. I will not be shaken. It's this awareness that God is with you, and you practice that. What does it look like? It looks like reminding yourself daily. There are times, there are times when I'll walk into a meeting, and I know God's with me, but I'll acknowledge his presence. About once a year, I do a series on the Holy Spirit because I feel like the third person of the Trinity is the forgotten God. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a third member of the Trinity, amen? Jesus is not coming down out of heaven every day to hold your hand into work. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He has sent the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to be with you. It is the Holy Spirit that is our helper, that is our comforter, that is our counselor, that is our healer, that is our encourager. He is all those things that we need. And so I will pause. I will say, Holy Spirit, I need you in this meeting. Thank you that you're with me. Make me aware of your presence. Make me aware of your will. Make me aware of the wisdom of God for this situation. Because he can be with you always, but if you don't acknowledge him, you'll live differently than if you acknowledge him. It's so funny. It'd be like if I was doing life with my wife. You know, she'd been with me for over 15 years now. But what if I only acknowledged her like once a week? Like, oh, yeah, Amanda. That's right. Thanks for everything. She's like, yeah, I've been here the whole time, <laughs> making all this happen, you know. <laughs> Did you forget? <laughs> There's a relational aspect of acknowledging the presence of my wife. She's a reality in my life. Listen, friends, God's calling us into that kind of a relationship with him, acknowledging his presence and his reality in our everyday life. I would submit to you, your next staff meeting will be different if you acknowledge the presence of God in your midst. Your next family dinner will be different if you acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in your midst. Your next business meeting, 
your next work day, your next project, your next class will be different if you acknowledge the presence of God in your midst. He is with you. It is the key of God's presence. And if God is with you, who could ever be against you? If God is for you, who could ever stand against you? You have the God of heaven in you and with you, for you are the people of God. And what a great key that we have. And nobody can take God's presence from you. No devil can. No mean boss can. No abusive spouse can. No terrible friend. Nobody can take the presence of God from you. I've had the privilege of traveling all over this nation. And I'll go to different churches. They'll have different worship styles, different types of people, different things, different languages. But the presence of God is the same every place I go. His presence, it's there. The presence of God can do for you what no one else can. The presence of God can bring the miracle that no one else can bring. The presence of God can reach you where no one else can reach you. It is the key of God's presence. Number three, my final key I want to give you today is this. It is the key. It is the key of today. So again, the key of prayer, the key of presence. But I want you to write this down. God has given us the key of today. Today. It's so important for us to recognize this. Um, where God doesn't, have you noticed this? God doesn't move quickly, but he does move suddenly. I didn't come up with that. I heard it, but it's very true. It's very true. There are times when I've wanted God to move on my schedule. He never moves on my schedule. He always moves on his schedule. Come on, somebody. But what I found is even if it seems like God's taking longer than I want him to take, once God starts to move, stuff starts to change. Once God starts to move, things start happening. Doors start opening. Healing comes quickly. Things start to shift in our life when God begins to move. He doesn't always move quickly, but He does move suddenly. So with God, here's what I've learned to anticipate. You never know what today might bring. You never know what today might bring. You know, it's written about Jesus that Jesus was the same yesterday, today, and forever. What is the writer trying to get across to us? He's trying to get us to understand he's not just the God of your past and he's not just the God of your future. He's the God of your right now. He's the God of your need right now. He's the God of your right now situation. He's the God of today. Yes, it's easy to trust God regarding the past. We've already seen him come through. And it's easy to say we trust God about the future. We ain't there yet. Why is the today Jesus the hardest Jesus to trust? Because it's what's right here in front of us. It's what's right here. I saw something in this passage that I'd never seen before, and I want you to catch this. In verse 10, after the angel gets Peter up, tells him to get dressed, is leading him out of the prison, listen to this. It said they passed the first and the second guard posts, and then they came to the iron gate leading to the city. They came to the iron gate leading to the city. See, let me focus on this for a second because I think this is where a lot of us struggle with God. A lot of us struggle not, not celebrating and trusting that what God's brought us out of is good. It's when we can look into the future just a little bit and we see a gate that looks impossible to cross. It's then we begin to stress about whether God can do it or not. But can I just tell you something? We're not called to worry about problems we haven't gotten to yet. Let tomorrow's problems be tomorrow's miracles and victory. 
Let today's things be the stuff that you're believing God for. Because as Peter got to the first guard post, boom, they went right through. And as he got to the second guard post, boom, he went right through. And then it says he began approaching the iron gate that leads to the city. It's always the obstacle in front of us that looks the most impossible to move. But can I just tell you that what looks impossible to you is easy for God. What's impossible for man is a small thing for God. If God brings you to it, baby, he's going to bring you through it in Jesus' name. That gate will open just like every other gate, but it'll open when you get there. And it's learning to trust God in today. I'm not there yet. I don't want to freak out about what I'm not, what I haven't encountered yet. It's today. It's today. Let me give you an encouragement. Don't focus on problems you haven't arrived at yet. What looks impossible is not. Even iron gates swing at his command. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen to 11. Give us today. Everybody say today. Give us today the food we need, the provision we need, the breakthrough we need, the miracle we need. Give us today everything we need for today. And forgive us our sin as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Listen, friends, he's given you everything you need for today. He hasn't given you tomorrow's strength because you're not there yet. See, here's the struggle. We're a today being. I'm I'm a today Jordan, but I serve a tomorrow God. I'm limited to today, but God's not limited to today. And so the moment I begin to stress about tomorrow, I've stepped out of the grace that's on my life for today. Matter of fact, even Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 34. He said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And I want to encourage you with the same words that Jesus wrote. Friends, don't worry about tomorrow, for today has enough trouble of its own. But let me tell you this. Today might have trouble, but today also has grace. Today might have trouble, but today also has miracles. Today might have trouble, but there is a God that is with you and in you and for you to overcome every last thing you are battling today. You have a today Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is a key that's so important because you've got to understand that this moment today is your moment. That this day God's given you is your day. That this day, this moment is your opportunity to believe God and to move forward with all God has for your life. What will you do with the day that God has given to you? This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that God's given me. The question is, what are we going to do with the day that God has given to us? The great key of today. Let me say it this way. I'll leave you with this. Depression comes so often from focusing on the past because you don't live there anymore and you can't change any of it. Anxiety comes when we focus on the future because you have no control over that. But listen, peace comes 
when we focus on today because that is what God gives us grace for. Friends, everything you're dealing with today, there's a grace for it. There's a strength for it. There's a help for it. There's a God that wants to provide for your every need today. Whether you're addicted, whether you're broken, whether you're struggling, whether you're discouraged, there's a God who wants to meet you today. He wants to strengthen you today. He wants to encourage you today in Jesus' name. Do you believe that, church? We just put our hands together and give some praise to Jesus. Why don't you stand up all over the room today? And I'm going to pray for you today. Our prayer team is going to come forward and prepare themselves to be available to pray for you for any need that you have going on in your life. But listen, friends, I want to encourage you. Today is the day. Today is all you're promised. You can't change yesterday. Tomorrow's never promised. But today, God has given you an opportunity to serve Him, to choose Him, to step into the promises of God for your life. And so listen, if you're here today in this room, and you don't know Jesus in a personal way, one of the great opportunities God's given us is to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. And here's the promise. When we do that, He comes into our life. He forgives us, gives us a new heart, gives us a new start, and gives us His Holy Spirit to live with us. And He calls you children of God. It is the greatest gift ever given to humanity. It is the salvation of mankind. It is the hope for everybody. It's what Jesus paid for. And so listen, if you're here today, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you can choose Jesus today. You can choose Christ. You can trust Him. You can believe Him to forgive you, to save you, and to give you the life He always wanted you to live. It is a life of abundant grace, abundant peace. He came to give you life and life more abundant. And listen, if you're here today, please don't leave without putting your trust in Jesus Christ. It is a great key for you. And so listen, if you're here and you just say, Pastor Jordan, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you and with you. And I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, if you just say, that's me, Pastor Jordan, I'm not where I need to pray. I'm not where I need to be with Jesus, but I want to fix that today. I want to put all my trust in him and I want to leave different than I came. I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to respond by raising your hand and I'm going to pray with you. One, two, three. Just raise your hand all over the room. Wow. As you stretch your hand, stretch your faith toward Jesus and choose him today. Tell him this, just whisper this in your heart. Say, Jesus, right now, say it. Jesus, right now, I trust you. And I stretch my faith out towards you. And I believe in you. Tell him this, say, I believe you are who the Bible says you are. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you were buried in the ground and on the third day you rose again. I believe you are alive forevermore. Tell him this, say, Jesus, right now, come into my life. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive my sin. Give me a new heart. Give me a new start. Come and live in my life. I will follow you all my days. And I will be with you forever. I want you to make this declaration. I want you to pray this out loud. Say, I'm now a Christian. Come on, say it out loud, all of us. I'm a Christian. Saved by grace. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we just celebrate these people? Come on, put your hands together. Welcome to the family of God. Listen, you'll get some next steps in just a moment. This is not the end, it's the beginning. Church, I want to pray for you today. We're going to sing one last chorus, and we're going to go hit that lunch buffet hard. Come on, somebody. But I believe that God has something for you today. If you're here and you're in the trenches, I want to pray for you. 
that God would meet you in a powerful way and awaken you to his very presence that's with you. And so if you're here today and you just say, I'm in the trenches, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you just raise your hand so I can see him? And I'm going to pray for all of us as we worship the Lord one last time. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person here. And Lord, whatever it is they're going through, we know this, it's not bigger than the God who is inside of them. For greater is in them than is opposing them. And I pray right now, victory over their lives. I pray the presence of God would be so real to them. The strength of God would be so real to them. Encourage them today. And may they leave here built up closer to you, oh God. Strengthened by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And knowing that victory is in their future. God, take the restrictions off. And may we use the keys you've given us to overcome and thrive in life. And I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Worship the Lord.